From the Lean Enterprise Institute in Boston, this is the WLEI Podcast, where we share stories of people making the world better through lean thinking and practice. For more information about LEI, please visit lean.org. Hi, I'm Josh Howell. You're listening to On the Job, a WLEI podcast where I typically sit down and talk with people leading organizations through transformations. They share their stories, I ask questions, and together we try digging up insights that can apply to other lean transformations. Hopefully, if you've been listening, you've taken away a useful insight or two already. For this episode, we're going to do things differently. There won't be a conversation, but rather, I'm going to share about my experience as a leader for an organization that was undergoing a lean transformation. In this case, that organization was Starbucks Coffee Company, where I worked from 2004 to 2009. Conversations with quote-unquote lean champions is part of my job. I'm so fortunate that I get to spend time out in the field visiting companies, visiting with lean thinkers and lean practitioners, as they try to instill lean thinking throughout their organizations. A hallmark of the offices of many of these lean champions is a corner filled with rolled up flip chart papers, artifacts of past lean activities like value stream maps. A hallmark of the conversations that I have are expressions of frustration with the situation that they're up against, with the challenges that they're encountering, with the people that they're working with who are not sustaining changes or choosing not to make any in the first place. I can relate to all of that frustration. Each of those things was a part of my experience while working for Starbucks, to be sure. Over the holidays, I spent time reflecting like everyone else, but this year I looked back over 10 years instead of only 12 months, prompted by the 2010s becoming the 2020s. In terms of lean thinking, the 2010s was a decade of practice for me. Admittedly, my emphasis on practice has grown over the years. I felt like I knew a lot in 2010. I know much less in 2020. And as I reflected over the holidays, a single memory kept coming to mind, an image. It's a photo of my wife and I sitting on a park bench in Seattle overlooking the Puget Sound. It was June, early June, 2013. We have big smiles on our face, and those smiles are framed by the evergreens that can be found throughout the Northwest and a clear blue sky. Locals would say, the mountains are out. In that photo, we look happy. In fact, we're minutes away from starting a meandering four-day drive along every mile of Interstate 90 between Seattle and Boston. On that day, Starbucks, working for Starbucks, was a recent memory. My last day had been only weeks before. I would soon be working for the Lean Enterprise Institute, and I was anticipating a dream coming true. But LEI was not real yet. I could only imagine what it would be like to work there. That wasn't the reason for the smile on my face. That smile was there because I was leaving Starbucks. I had worked for Starbucks for nine years, hired in 2004 as a barista. Uh, I became a store manager by 2005, and by 2007, 
The store that I was managing in Portland, Oregon, was selected for the company's first experiment with lean thinking applied to retail stores. This followed experiments with lean thinking in other areas of the business, such as the supply chain and in uh, the corporate headquarters. The experiment in Portland, Oregon uh, that I was a part of generated lots of good learning. Learning about how to do the work better, how to serve customers more effectively, more consistently, with greater quality, both in terms of the product and the experience that we were creating. It generated learning in terms of how to manage the stores differently, how to make store teams more independent in terms of day-to-day problem solving and continuous improvement, how to lead the company differently, tons and tons of good learning. And all that learning was put to good use throughout 2008, 2009, 2010, and beyond. But in those early years, 2008, 2009, 2010, that learning was put to good use, leading the organization through its response to the global economic crisis that certainly your organization uh, was dealing with at that time too. And so in 2008, I was asked to join a newly formed lean team that maxed out at about a dozen people based in the, in the corporate headquarters in Seattle, Washington. On that team, I contributed to the redesign of retail store operations and the recast of store and upper level line managers from implementers of solutions from headquarters to coaches of local problem solving teams. And the company was making tremendous progress toward that ideal image. And yet, by 2012, 2013, a series of interactions with various naysayers, including some key executives, and my view of other developments at the company had me feeling like its lean initiative was doomed. In fact, the lean team that I, w- that I had been a part of was disbanded a month or so after I left the company. Its members were reassigned to other teams throughout the broader retail store services organization. In my view, it was a telltale sign of a failed implementation. That was my view then. But today, I'm not so sure. The overarching objective for Lean at Starbucks when I got involved in 2008, 2007, 2008, was to help the company survive during a global economic crisis by improving the Starbucks experience for customers and partners, the company's term for employees, and delivering necessary cost reductions. As I mentioned, the crisis was existential. You may remember the company closing hundreds of stores at that time. Cost was a major problem. It wasn't the only one, though. In fact, I'd argue it wasn't even the primary one. And I think the CEO and chairman at the time, Howard Schultz, would agree with me. In his book, Onward, that was published in 2011, and that tells the story of Starbucks turnaround during that time, during those years, 2008, 2009, 2010, he described the problem to solve, saying that the company had had lost its soul had lost the very essence of what the company aspired to be, what, what Starbucks calls the third place. It's not home, it's not work, it's the other place where people gather, with coffee at the center of it all, of course. He also saw that solving this problem, this kind of high level problem, with its myriad smaller problems was a leverageable opportunity that could strengthen the company for the long term. He kept saying we'd emerge from the crisis stronger than ever. In the minds of lean thinkers, strength comes from instilling PDCA into everything we do. 
creating a foundation for continuous improvement. And that's what my team and I were trying to accomplish. The question is, did we? I'll tell you, in 2012 and 2013, as I was deciding to and then ultimately leaving the company, my answer would have been no. My answer would have been that we failed. Today, however, in January 2020, I'd answer yes. If I start by looking back on what was happening in 2013 when I left the company, hindsight, it is 2020 after all, allows me to see the disbanding of a formal lean team as a net positive. I couldn't have seen it that way at the time. The truth is that this particular lean team was often isolated. We were doing our own thing, as if we knew better than everyone else. As you can imagine, this didn't make us very popular. Plus, and more importantly, it inhibited our effectiveness at working with and influencing others. Plus, one team had a lot of the company's capability for lean thinking. By disbanding the team and redistributing, and, and redistributing its members, that capability was embedded throughout a key department that supports store operations and store teams. If I look at the company today, albeit from a distance, the company keeps pushing to improve the Starbucks experience, both for its customers, definitely for its customers. One piece of evidence is their commitment to something like Starbucks mobile order and pay. In spite of its complications, and there certainly are those, it does represent a customer first mindset by making the experience for customers more and more convenient. Plus, that kind of a system also provides tons of valuable data that can keep fueling customer-driven improvement for years to come. The company also possesses a growth mindset, valuing organizational learning as a key competency. For evidence of that, check out a video on YouTube with the current CEO, Kevin Johnson, as he tours what the company calls the Trier Center. Anyway, even from a distance, I can recognize lots of lean thinking at Starbucks. It's pretty cool. Now, because I no longer work for the company and spend minimal time in stores, really, only as a customer, what I can't observe today is what's happening behind the scenes for the folks who work there. Are they experiencing a better way of working? Are they learning how to solve the inevitable problems in their work? Are they allowed to try and fail in pursuit of even better ways of working that are situationally appropriate to their unique store? Are they given the resources, support, and coaching necessary? I don't know. I hope so, but I can't say for sure. In fact, I couldn't have said for sure even when I worked there. It's just too big of a company. Too many different experiences for folks, depending on really where they work and with whom they work with and for. But all right, thinking back to my conversations uh, with lean, lean Champions, both on this podcast and as part of my job, and including a conversation with myself, the result for me personally of reflecting on the 2010s and specifically reflecting on what was happening with me in 2012, 2013, sort of interrogating what happened that led me to leave Starbucks like I've sort of alluded to, if not said directly. At the time that I left Starbucks, I was experiencing lots of frustration. 
there were leaders, there were peers, there were colleagues that were making decisions, <clears throat> carrying out certain actions, demonstrating various behaviors that I disagreed with, that was frustrating me. I was so frustrated, in fact, that I left the company. I did not leave Starbucks because I was going to go work for the Lean Enterprise Institute. I decided to leave Starbucks first. I later learned that I'd have the opportunity to go work at LEI. So the reason I left was really because the situation there had gotten to a point where I simply needed to leave. And as I reflect back on that, there's a few things that, uh, that I can recognize were a part of what I was experiencing at that time, some tendencies that I had. And as I think back, as I've thought back to that, and, and I think to the conversations that I get to have with, with folks like you out there in the community, I think these tendencies that I recognized in myself are common, actually. And so for what it's worth, I'd like to share those with you now. And, you know, maybe you'll agree, maybe you won't. If you do agree, if you do relate to these tendencies, then by sharing them with you and, and by encouraging you to reflect on those a bit, maybe through awareness, you can counteract those tendencies and be more effective at achieving the aims and the purpose of your role as a lean champion within your company. All right, so the first of the four tendencies that I've identified, one, lean champions can be so close to what's happening now that what's already changed and gotten better can easily go unrecognized. I know that was true for me back in 2012, 2013, when I was working for Starbucks. I was very much focused on things that were happening at that time that I disagreed with, that were frustrating to me, uh, that, that maybe even made me angry, that all of the progress that had been made over many, many years by that time was just not a part of my overall assessment of the status of lean thinking in the company at large at that time. A second tendency is to define near-term goals in terms of what's possible, or worse, what Toyota has achieved over many, many, many decades. It's simply unfair. In 2012, 2013, Starbucks was still brand new to lean thinking. It had just been introduced to us, I don't know, less than 10 years beforehand. We had been practicing it, I would say, even maybe for less than five. And so, you know, there I was reading about Toyota, uh, some of us out in the world even get a chance to go visit Toyota, and we see this incredible um, image of what's possible when lean, when lean thinking is applied throughout an organization. But to hold our companies accountable to that standard is, in nearly every case, simply unfair. And that's a tendency that, you know, I guess I'm offering <clears throat> isn't such a helpful uh, tendency for us to have. A third is the tendency to get fixated on what they think, on what you think, on what I thought should be happening, that whatever's actually happening seems flat out wrong, even when what's happening is resulting in more value being created, fewer resources being consumed, more people making things better. Even when that's happening, we get so consumed with, so convinced that our ideas are right, that whatever ideas other people have we just consider them to be wrong because they're not ours. They're not the same as ours. That tendency, too, is an unhelpful one for us to have. 
So I believe it's in my opinion that these tendencies are important for lean champions to recognize. The three that I've just mentioned really frame the challenge in a not so helpful way. And they make a difficult role what is already a difficult role even more so. Not even the grittiest person can succeed when this is their perspective. But the fourth tendency, I think, is the most pernicious. And that's the tendency to only reflect externally versus internally, to focus on what others are or are not doing versus taking a hard look at oneself. After all, you can only control your own thinking and actions. When I was at Starbucks in 2012, 2013, if I'm being honest with myself, my entire focus, all of my reflections were, were on other people and the situation at large. I was frustrated with my leaders, with my colleagues, with the company. I was even frustrated with Seattle, like it had anything to do with it. That really was why that big smile was on my face in that damn photo. In my six and a half years at LEI, I've developed my capability to self-reflect as much as anything else. Let me tell you, at times it's been, it's been really a painful process. I wrote about one particular experience on the Lean Post, an experience that I had being dropped into a factory where I was given a target, an, a, a challenging target, and honestly, I, I, failed, I failed to reach that target. That was a painful experience. And really, the only way to learn from that experience was through intense, very critical self-reflection. A not at all painful memory, though, uh, about self-reflection comes from the Lean Coaching Summit in Seattle in 20, 2018. John Shook was kicking things off one morning, uh, and he had a co-presenter who had overslept and was nowhere to be found. It was stressful for, for John and, and uh, for me, I was an organizer of the summit. You can imagine, we were all pretty stressed out uh, when our opening keynote presenter um, wasn't there. When the co-presenter finally did show up and took the stage, instead of focusing on him, John focused on himself. I'm gonna paraphrase here, but he said something to the effect of, to his, to his co-presenter, he said, I failed to confirm the start time with you last night. I failed to check on how you'd wake up this morning. I didn't suggest we meet beforehand. If I had, and we did, that would have allowed me to check on you again before it was too late. I promise to do better next time, John said. I just thought that was incredible and really a remarkable example of self-reflection. So as 2020 begins, as the decade of the 2020s takes off, as lean champions, coaches, thinkers, practitioners, I encourage all of us to look out for these tendencies in ourselves, but also in our colleagues, in one another. Let's help each other frame the challenges that we're up against in a more helpful and healthy way. Let's ensure that A, reflection is happening, of course, that has to be happening. Let's also encourage each other to reflect on good outcomes and how those are achieved as much as we do on, on bad outcomes and how those happen. And then also let's encourage each other, let's ensure that reflection focuses on that which we can control, on ourselves, not only on others, 
which again is not only unhelpful, but unhealthy. If I look back at where I was in 2012, 2013, I think it's a fair thing to say that my focusing only on others, only on the situation, only on the company, only on Seattle uh, for some crazy reason uh, was in fact just an unhealthy attitude uh, for me to have. Self-reflection, I believe, is really the only way that improvement happens. If you aren't getting better, you simply can't expect the same from others. So, cheers to making a great 2020, to making an even better decade, and for that to happen, one self-reflection at a time. I have one final thing to do, and that's to thank the team at LEI for everything that they do. 2019 has concluded. 2020 has begun. 2019 for the team at LEI was a challenging year for a variety of reasons. Through it all, the team worked tremendously hard, stayed focused on serving the lean community as best as we know how, and I'm just tremendously grateful uh, for everything they did through 2019, everything that they are doing at the present moment, and everything that will, that will happen in 2020. Thank you so much for everything that you do, for allowing me to be a part of the team, for accepting me as your leader. It's, it's truly an honor. I'd also like to thank two particular members of the team, Lori Moniz and Emma Ripa, who handle all of the production for the WLEI podcasts. They handle the production for this episode. So thank you, Lori. Thank you, Emma, uh, for everything that you do for WLEI. Now, the team and I, including Lori and Emma, will be together in California on April 6th and 7th for the Lean Summit 2020. So we look forward to, to having many of you with us. Um, you can go to lean.org for more information about the Lean Summit 2020. Uh, it's the, the theme this year is grit and perseverance. It's a theme that relates to um, the conversations that I have on, on the job, <clears throat> uh, this podcast, the experience that I had at Starbucks, which honestly probably could have benefited from me having a bit more grit uh, through it all. But anyway, if you relate to the tendencies that I, that I shared about uh, during this episode, that theme, grit and perseverance, uh, the content, the speakers, the learning sessions, the hands-on activities, all of that is geared around that theme. So if you relate to the tendencies that I shared today, uh, the, the, the Lean Summit 2020, I think will be perfect for you. In fact, if I could invite 2020 Josh Howell to the Lean Summit 2020, I would. I think he could, uh, he could learn a thing or two. Who knows? Maybe he would have stuck it out at Starbucks a bit longer. He certainly, I, I, I hope, would have given his colleagues, the leaders at Starbucks at that time, more of the benefit of the doubt. Anyway, we hope to see you there. And then finally, um, I'd love for you to be in touch. So this this week's podcast uh, is a bit, uh, it's a bit different, both in format. It wasn't a conversation, it was just me talking. Uh, hopefully that was okay. But, but also um, what I shared this episode was a companion to an e-letter that I wrote and that was distributed on the same day that this podcast is being published. And so that in and of itself was kind of an experiment. 
<coughs> uh, we'd love to hear from you about that experiment if you have any feedback, but also just about, you know, I guess what I'm sharing about those four tendencies, about my experience, about my story. If you relate to that, if you have a story of your own, if you have similar or different insights, uh, please be in touch and, and share those with us. You can do that in a few ways. You can reply directly to my e-letter, uh, assuming that you receive it. You can email me directly at jhowell@lean.org. You can email us at pod@lean.org. And again, we'd love for you to be in touch. We'd love to get your feedback. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts in response to the thoughts that I've shared with you today. And then finally, um, if you have any ideas for future podcasts, uh, we'd love to get those too. So again, you can email us with ideas for future WLEI podcasts at pod at lean.org. We're still kind of new to this podcast thing. Uh, WLEI has only been around for a couple of years. Uh, it sat dormant through most of 2019. It, it was restarted in October of 2019. So we, we know that, we're, uh, <clears throat> that we have a lot to learn. Um, we reflect as regularly as we can. Hopefully we're getting better. Uh, we will get better still, uh, no doubt. And we'd appreciate any help that you, you could offer us <laughs> through giving us feedback uh, on, on the podcast. And again, uh, sharing ideas that you might have uh, for future podcasts, topics, maybe even guests, uh, questions that you'd like us to explore, anything and everything. We'd love to hear from you. So with that, uh, I am going to sign off. Thanks again for listening. And we will be back in touch soon. Bye-bye for now. And thanks to our listeners. If you have suggestions on topics you'd like us to discuss, email us at pod at lean.org. Tune in next Monday for another episode of WLEI. Thank mm-hmm. you.